Welcome back to another episode of the Juice Moves Podcast. This week's episode is with Judge Solomson. He's the judge of the United States Court of Federal Claims, served as, as the chief legal officer for the Federal Government Solutions Business Union of Anthem for five years, and is the author of Court of Federal Claims, Jurisdiction, Practice, and Procedure, among many other things. Judge Solomson, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to come on. I think there's a lot of different... Uh, parts of your life and career to discuss. I'm kind of curious how exactly you got into law because I've heard that you won your first case before even going to law school. Uh, you know, that's true. I, I think that um, I always wanted to be a lawyer. My, my father is a, is a surgeon and, and I think like uh, many uh, young Jews, I, I had a few choices from my parents, uh, law, accounting, uh, medicine and engineering or something like that. Um, I was pushed to be pre-med in, in undergrad um, and realized uh, that uh, I always wanted to be an attorney. Um, I was very active uh, on a high school debate team, and that was my real calling. Um, but but yes, I don't know where you uh, heard that that story from, but it's it's true. I um, uh, before I went to to law school, I had a business dispute and uh, took it to trial and uh and won and kind of got the litigation bug from there wow very nice and i guess once you decided that you were gonna pursue that path how how exactly did it work because i'm i'm pretty sure you didn't become a judge right after graduating so uh, you're asking generally about the path to to the bench i i yeah, I, yeah. um yeah you know it's the kind of thing that you really can't uh count uh, on on achieving, um, you know, it's it's not something that that you get to pick. At least in the federal system, you have to be nominated by the president and confirmed by the United States Senate, and so um, that's certainly not something that that one can just choose to apply for, really. Um, but I did clerk on this particular court. Um, it's a federal court in Washington D.C., right next to the White House, and um, you know, just to back up. The court hears uh, cases against the United States uh, primarily for money, um, uh, you know, contract claims, tax claims, intellectual property claims, um, something called uh, Fifth Amendment takings claims. Um, and so I clerked here. And, you know, um, when I clerked here, I remember asking the judge for whom I clerked, uh, hey, how? I want to do this. How do I, how do I get here? And, you know, we had some conversations about that, but as one of my colleagues likes to say uh, here now, uh, the best way to get on the federal bench is to be college roommates with a future United States Senator. Um, obviously uh, that's not something you can plan for. And so um, even though I expressed uh, a desire to wind up here at some point, um, kind of put it out of my mind because Again, there's no real way to apply for the job. Um, and then uh, a number of years ago, uh, a friend of mine um, who is a neighbor in Kent Mill in, in Maryland in Silver Spring, who works at the Justice Department and whose section, who, who used to work at the Justice Department, I should say, and whose section there um, has some responsibility for vetting potential judges, reached out to say, hey, there's some vacancies on this court and I'd like to recommend you to the White House, you know, kind of what do you think? And, um, you know, obviously it took him, took me three minutes to get, to get in my resume for that purpose. Um, so kind of just, uh, you know, drop, 
dropped out of the, the sky, uh, you know, uh, whether whether someone wants to say hashkacha or not, I don't know, but uh, but um, it was, wasn't something I was counting on. On the other hand, uh, I've heard the saying that um, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And, um, you know, I don't think there's any question that having written a book on the subject matter that my court covers, uh, that certainly helped me uh, be at the top of my friend's mind and help me be noticed by the White House. Wow, that seems like uh, not exactly a planned out journey, but something you prepared for. I'm, I'm curious, before we get back to the the the, the work related to, to the, the position you have now, when, when you worked at other places like Booz Allen, Hamilton, or, or the other uh, groups and uh, firms that, uh, before you you, you got this position, what, what, what were things you picked up there that helped you now? Uh, yeah, you know, I think kind of one of the, the classic routes to the federal bench um, in terms of skill sets uh, include time at a large firm, um, which I had done in, in Washington um, at several large DC firms. Um, or time as a as a federal either prosecutor or trial attorney. I spent about five years doing doing that at the Justice Department. Those are kind of all classic routes to the federal bench. Um, kind of less common is time spent, as you mentioned, working in house. Um, that is being a lawyer that's employed by the company where your sole client is is your company. Um, that's called in-house counsel. And that's a little bit less common. Um, but I think particularly for my role here at the Court of Federal Claims, um, given that I worked for federal contractors, I think it gave me a kind of a, a different perspective on how litigation is managed and what many of the plaintiffs here are actually experiencing kind of in real life. It's not just academics because I've been on the inside and I've seen the problems firsthand that uh, that that federal contractors deal with uh, when they wind up in disputes with with the United States government. On the other hand, you know, lest anyone walk away thinking that that makes me biased in some respect towards a towards a, a, a private party or towards a plaintiff, um, you know, again, having spent uh, five years with the Justice Department, uh, which I think does incredible work uh, on behalf of the taxpayer and before our court regularly, um, you know, I think I have a very balanced view from having been on kind of both sides of the of the courtroom. It's interesting. And uh, you, you wrote a book about the Court of Federal Claims. Can you speak about how, how you decided to write the book and what you did to, to put it out? Yeah, so, you know, the book was a little bit of overkill, perhaps, you know, um, as I moved from the large firm um, into that in-house life, I kind of was worried um, in terms of career management of leaving behind um, litigation and um, that kind of work for good. I wanted to keep a foot in the door to eventually perhaps go back to doing that kind of work in a law firm. And I thought a good way to do that would be to to write a book about uh, about this court, uh, about the scope of its jurisdiction and practice before it. And I thought that would enable me, if I ever uh, wanted, to leave in-house life and return to kind of a more active litigation docket, um, 
that having that credential of written of having written a book would help me. I mean, uh, some might say that, you know, that's that's a lot of career management overkill. But um, I had a passion for the subject matter. Uh, you know, no one had ever attempted to write something comprehensive like this about about the book uh, about the court, kind of uh, you know restating the law and organizing it um, in a, in this way. And so I thought, why not? I'll take a stab at it. And um, you know, thankfully, my wife was very supportive. Um, it took a number of years to get done. You know, writing sometimes two, three hours a night, every single night. So it was definitely a big lift. But I also had lots of help. Um, you know, you're in in a in a field for a while. You accumulate some friends and colleagues, hopefully, and um, a number of people uh, pitched in. So I, I I wrote, you know, half the chapters, and then colleagues and friends wrote. The other half of the chapters, and I served as the general editor. Um, but it's certainly something uh, I'm glad I, I did, um, and uh, it certainly helped me in the confirmation process. Oh, that's very nice. And I think that book came out in 2016, and since then you've uh, served served as the judge for a while. Are there things that, looking back on the book, you would write differently now or change, having uh, experienced what it's like to be a judge on the court itself? That's an excellent question. You know, I haven't really given it much thought perhaps as i uh, endeavor to do edits to the book and update it um i'll come across those but off the top of my head i i can't i can't think of any um you know i will say about about the book that um kind of professionally um second of course to being nominated and confirmed by the senate um uh, I woke up one morning to find uh, notes in my inbox and text messages that the Supreme Court had cited the book in one of its cases. And that's that's kind of uh, a nice endorsement of it, um, you know, that that someone in my position kind of works their whole life to be noticed by the Supreme Court. So um, it was kind of an exciting day to have that happen, particularly because, you know, from being candid, um, the work of our court can be fairly obscure you know it's not we don't do criminal cases um, on the other hand um, you know it's not uncommon here to have matters pending before us uh, that is to say me or my colleagues that you know are are well in excess of a billion dollars on the line so you know everyone's heard for example of uh, the constitutional challenge to the Affordable Care Act also known colloquially as Obamacare um, you know one set of suits challenged the constitutionality of that law, another set of suits for millions of dollars or billions of dollars perhaps in total um, by companies arguing they were entitled to greater payments um, under that law came to our court. So um, there's, there's a constant kind of stream of large dollar litigation against the government that, that winds up here. And, and every once in a while, one of our cases uh, makes its way up to the Supremes. Wow, it's, uh, it seems it seems uh, special to have your book quoted at the highest level, and uh, everything you do seems to be high stakes, which makes it uh, interesting. I'm curious, you know, personally, I don't watch so many uh, TV shows about judges, but for the listeners that watch shows like uh, Judge Judy or Called in Providence, can you, can you explain what really goes on as opposed to the the videos that uh, were were seen in, um, on TV or online? Well, I can't remember the last time I've. Uh, even seen a clip of one of those shows, so it's hard for me to comment. I, I think um, 
you know, back in the day, uh, I used to watch the People's Court occasionally with Judge Wapner and my grandmother. Um, I think she liked that show. Um, that's a long time ago already. Um, you know, I think the work of a court, uh, it's actually quite academic. Um, when, when people ask me about why I like the job, I like to say that, well, it's kind of like being a professor, um, only, you know, a lot of academics publish articles that nobody reads. Um, in my case, I publish articles essentially in the form of opinions that at least the parties have to read. Um, so at least I know I get two readers out of the deal. Uh, the work tends to be very academic, you know? I mean, it's a lot of uh, trying to, if you will, understand the sugya in front of us um, from the ground up. I mean, oftentimes we're trying to back up and ask, what are the rules that apply to this particular set of facts? Where do those rules derive from? Are they authoritative? Um, how do they apply in this case? Um, what are our instructions from Congress, from the higher courts? There are two tribunals that are higher than, than our court. There's the uh, Court of Appeals. Uh, with, in our case, it's the United States Court of Appeals for the federal circuit. And there's the United States Supreme Court. So kind of lining up those authorities and trying to figure out what the rules are. And then, again, applying them to the facts of a particular case to reach a result. Um, so that tends to involve often um, many conversations with my law clerks about the best way to approach a case and to think about it. Um, and then, of course, writing the decision. Um, and, you know, oftentimes our decisions are can be anywhere from five pages to 150 pages. You know, uh, um, I would say very typically an opinion that we write is 30 to 50 pages. And um, so it's a, it's, 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 it's a very academic work. Um, and, you know, pe real people, um, their money and, and their contracts and their intellectual property, and their tax bill are, are often at stake. So we, you know, we have to be careful about the result. You know, we're not just flipping a coin over here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. This is just a quick ad to let you know that Jew Schmooze collaborated with the Fro Merch brand to release Jew Schmooze t-shirts in four different colors and a Jew Schmooze mug. You can check it out all online and deliver it directly to your house at frummerch.com. F-R-U-M-M-E-R-C-H.com. Make sure to check it out and uh, get some yourself. Wow, it's uh, interesting. You mentioned uh, you could have... Uh, uh, decisions up to 150 pages or more and you surely have to read a ton of uh, other decisions and and what your peers have written ha are, are there tactics or uh or methods you could suggest to the listeners in order to be able to produce writings quicker or read quicker or is this more of just uh, uh takes grit and you have to sit there and just pound out your uh the 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 pamphlets or the books yeah i mean i don't know how to how to do it faster um i think just you know practice makes perfect and and you know the more you the more you write the faster you you get at writing and and you know I, I would say uh, even today I try and, and struggle with writing shorter I mean writing long is is in some senses easier uh, the trick is to say a, a lot with fewer words and you know kind of reducing the size of the footnotes and uh, reducing the side tangent discussions, you know, just getting to the essence of the problem and dissecting it with uh, the with the fewest words possible 
that's a real skill um, without sacrificing clarity. I think, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, I read briefs that are submitted to the court in, you know, in, in cases before me, and I have to spend parts of the oral argument, you know, the actual in-court time asking the litigators, when you said X, were you, were you arguing Y or Z? I'm not sure what you're even saying. Um, and so I don't want to repeat that in my decisions. I want readers of my decisions to be able to understand uh, with precision what what I'm saying. Um, and that just takes practice and you know, careful reading. But I think the more reading, you know, aspiring lawyers out there do and the more writing they do uh, in undergrad, for example, um, the better off they'll be as practitioners at a, at a future point. Wow. And uh, I'm curious in terms of how, how your uh, job plays in with your, uh, I guess, uh, free time life. You know, some of the guests that have showed up on the show have, have, have hinted at differences in their, in their careers in terms of some people like singers, you know, they're, they're always trying to think of songs and at any moment they could be losing sleep trying to come up with something new or somebody like Susie Fishbane who does cookbooks said she has very clear office hours. Are, are your decisions something that you show up to work and you think about and then you leave and it's over or is it sometimes in the middle of the night or or at a random meal, if something just pops into your head and you have to quickly jot it down. Yeah, I, I would say it's actually really hard to to leave the work um, when you're engaged. You know, you're in the middle of thinking through, a, you know, a, a set of topics or issues. You have a lot of ideas in your head and you want to get them written down. And until you at least have some thoughts down on paper, um, it's, it can be agonizing. So, um so I would say it's sometimes you're, you know, it's, it's a good question. Sometimes it is hard to put down the work, um, you know, in particular, uh, I find it to be frankly a challenge, you know, if I'm engaged in something, uh, uh, Arab Shabbos to just block out, you know, an hour or an hour and a half beforehand to say at this point, I'm just shutting down, um, and uh, that that's difficult because I find the work so in part because I find the work so enjoyable. I mean, people, I'll ask, I'll answer the question with another question that you didn't ask. But people often ask me, "What's the best part of the job?" And I would say honestly, the best part of the job is that um, is that uh, we are lucky not to have a boss in any real sense of that word. So I don't have office hours. I don't have mandatory court times. I don't have a mandatory, you know, volume quota. Um, I don't have set vacation. I kind of come and go and do my work as, as I please. Um, and um, that's because we're not technically, we're not employees, we're appointees. Um, and so we don't serve at, you know, the pleasure of, you know, some secretary of an agency or even the president, right? We can't be fired. Um, and so, um, you know, but when you when people make it through the vetting process for this kind of a job or this kind of position, you know, everyone loves what they do. I don't know anyone who doesn't love this work. And that just makes it all the harder to kind of drop it um, when you're engaged, when you're engaged in it. So what motivates me isn't, uh, you know, isn't there's no you know financial incentive to do a better job. For example, it's just pride, pride in the work and the fact that we all enjoy contributing to the to the development of the law in this country and to the resolution of disputes um, and participating in the justice system. So yeah, that makes it really hard to just let it go. 
Um, but sometimes, you know, you've got to set, you've got to set limits and, and, you know, priorities and, you know, at certain times in your life, you've got other things going on and um, the work has to be put to the side. That's just life. Wow. I, I was going to ask about uh, highlights of the job. So uh, you, you did, you did get to it ahead of time, but uh, it's, it's all That's good. definitely the one of the one of the advantages of, of the job is uh, is that is that there are really almost no constraints on how and where and when I do I do my work. Um, the downside to your earlier question, too, though, is that, you know, Sunday is just like Monday, meaning, you know, if I want to take off Monday to handle whatever I need to handle or go on vacation, I take off Monday. But that means, you know, there's nothing unique about a work day versus a Sunday. So, you know, uh, there are many weeks where I've got decisions that uh, the parties really need the court to issue. Sometimes we have time sensitive matters. Um, and when we have those types of matters, you know, it's not at all infrequent that I'm working all day Sunday um, to try and wrap up decisions. Um, so. Um, you know, there are upsides and downsides to that responsibility. Interesting. Um, I, I think we'll we'll conclude with two more questions. One of them is I've uh, I've heard from friends that you're a great a debate coach for the Yeshiva Greater Washington and that you do uh, many things to help give back to the community. How what what is it that 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 inspires you or motivates you to make sure that whether it's letting people uh, work for you um, in the professional sense or volunteering your time to help uh, high schoolers improve their debate skills? What, what is it that, that encourages you to give back time to the community? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just think it's the, it's nothing special. I think it's just the right thing to do. I mean, those, you know, people who are in a position to help, whether it's financially or with their time or support, um, you know, I think it's important to, to kind of pay it forward or pay it back, depending on your perspective. Um, you know, I, uh, like I said, I, I engaged in, in high school debate at a pretty high level at our local yeshiva, the Yeshiva of Greater Washington. Um, you know, the, the, the boys uh, have a mock trial team that I help coach. And, um, you know, it's good just to see people develop their interests. Uh, presumably, uh, most people are gonna have to earn a living someday. And if we can help people think about what they wanna do or give them a healthy kind of safe academic outlet to develop those skills um, in a way that's complementary of their learning in yeshiva in some respects, then, then that's fantastic. Um, and, you know, I also just remember just getting started in my career. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to make those new connections. It's hard to get a, a foothold. I mean, uh, I didn't go to Harvard Law. Um, if you go to Harvard or Yale or Chicago or wherever, one of the, the truly excellent schools, getting a start is not so difficult, although getting into those schools certainly is. Everyone else can use a little bit of, of help. And, uh, you know, I remember what it was like uh, trying, trying to get that start. Um, and um, so I, I try and help, help the other, you know, help other new, new attorneys uh, get their start. Um, and hopefully uh, when they're older and more senior, they'll do the same for, for others. It's very nice. Um, I, I will conclude with the same question, which ends every episode, which is, you, you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you've uh, been asked questions before, you've done interviews before, you've worked with uh, high schoolers before, and, and I'm sure uh, average people at the Shabbos table or other times also want to ask you questions. But but despite being asked so many questions, there's always things that are never brought up that people wish that, uh, were brought up. 
So what's something you've never been asked that you wished you were, and what answer would you give to it? Um, I don't know that I'm never asked this, but um, I'm, I'm often asked um, whether and how um, you know, learning in yeshiva helps um, being a lawyer or being a judge. And I'm almost never asked the reverse question, which is, did going to law school um, or engaging in the practice of law uh, help help your learning? And and I would say the latter is equally true uh, of the former, that um, that having some formal structure, uh, academic structure, um, uh, and thinking about law in a structured way. Um, really opened up some ideas in, in learning that I didn't previously have. Um, and so, um, you know, I don't know if that's a, a pitch for Torah Umada per se and, 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 and why you in particular, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to make that pitch per se, but, uh, but I would say that um, I think that um, many of the young attorneys that I deal with who come from an, you know, exclusively a yeshiva background, and then go right to law school. I notice in them over time, um, you know, obtaining a vocabulary and a way of thinking that they actually didn't have previously. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, I certainly don't suggest that everyone who enjoys uh, joins uh, learning Gemara or their time in yeshiva needs to go to law school. But um, but if you enjoy thinking about rules and structure and um, organizing rules and um, and that sort of material, then law school may well be a natural fit. Wow, very nice. Uh, before we end, I guess if there's anything you want to Fogler mention, I think if people could check out your book, Court of Federal Claims, Jurisdiction, Practice and Procedure, but is there anything else? I, I suggest nobody check that out. Um, it's a, it's, as my wife likes to say, it's a great sleep aid. Um, so unless you want to go to sleep, um, um, I don't suggest you 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 read that, but um, certainly um, if uh, if folks uh, are interested in the work of our court, or interested in attending law school, or interested in a DC oriented legal practice, um, and they want to get in touch with me through you, um, and um, they're otherwise sane and rational humans, um, I'm certainly happy <laughs> to talk with 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 any of your listeners. Okay, thank you so much. Um, people can feel free to reach out about that. Um, thank you so much again for joining. Thank you for listening to this past episode of the Jews Schmooze podcast. To get our latest updates and contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Jews underscore Schmooze. If you want to sponsor an upcoming episode, you can reach out to Jews Schmooze Marketing at gmail.com. And if you give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on, that will be tremendously appreciated. Thank you so much, and hope you're looking forward to the next episode also. Mm-hmm.